Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 243. And this week we are joined yet again for an awesome episode of What's Working Now inside Tier 11, the high volume Facebook and Instagram ad agency, which I'm the founder and CEO of, and very happy to say that uh, our guest today is our now vice president of media buying, none other than Angela Ponsford, although we still do call you the minister of media, sort of on the side. Well, you know, <laughs> that one's a hard one to, to, to get rid of, and I kind of like that one. That's true. So anyway, well, welcome back. It's been uh, about a month or so since we last spoke about what's going on inside Tier 11. Obviously, the last few episodes, we've been talking about a lot of things going on with Facebook and Instagram ads. But these episodes, we talk specifically about what's working inside the agency. So if you're not familiar with who Tier 11 is, Tier 11 is a high volume Facebook and Instagram ad agency. We've been doing this for about Oh, 11 or 12 years, or since I started off as sort of a single guy. Now we've got nearly 40 employees worldwide on four continents. We're still looking for that fifth continent uh, to hire somebody, mm. just so we can say that, but totally virtual and run a fair amount of traffic on Facebook and Instagram only to the tune of about $100 million per year in ad spend. We're a little bit shy of that right now. It sort of fluctuates depending on what your 12-month moving average is. But we've run a lot of traffic in the past, and we still run a lot of traffic right now on these two awesome platforms. And uh, Angela has the unique experience of having run directly over, we were estimating about 10 or $11 million directly yes. in Facebook and Instagram traffic in your Facebook and Instagram advertising career. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when you start adding it up. <laughs> It's insane when you really think about it. Yep. And the last you know, five to seven years, although this is sort of harder to figure out through business manager, we're estimating conservatively that you know, the experience that we're talking about here is probably over $250 million worth of ad spend. That's up over a quarter of a billion dollars in spend. So not yep. saying that to impress you guys or brag, but just to say that I want to impress upon you that all that ad spend leads to a tremendous amount of experience as to what works, what doesn't work. And uh, Angela is um, the person who oversees our entire media buying team inside Tier 11. And I think she's in a unique position to talk about exactly what we're going to be talking about on this week's episode, which is the five keys to success as a media buyer. And this can probably translate outside the world of Facebook and Instagram into any type of media buying, any type of traffic, but specifically for us, just because there's 
3 billion or so active users on Facebook and Instagram. It's a pretty good one to start off with. You can cover a lot of the population of the world just on those two platforms alone. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about here today and really excited to get right into it. Let's do it. And, and I think people might be a little bit surprised by this, what we're going to talk about today with what makes a good media buyer, because it's ultimately comes down to we've got human beings working in the agency and that in itself generates the usual problems that we all deal with on a daily basis and how they translate into being a good media buyer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not all about the most ninja tactic or the little skill or this little hack. So many people are so infatuated with the skill, the hack. And I get it. You know, we certainly talk about that a lot on this show, but success as a media buyer is a lot more than that. And there is some mindset stuff in here. We're not going to get too woo-woo with you, but really there's a way in which you can succeed running Facebook and Instagram ads. And, you know, why don't we just get right into Mm. it and just start off with number one. Number one is probably the one that we all would think of. So we should get that one out of the way first. So what's number one in your mind as far as success as media buyer goes? So having like the technical skills to navigate your way around Ads Manager and just that base level of knowing what Facebook and Instagram ads are all about, that has to be something, you know, you can't just jump into Ads Manager and go, oh, well, I understand how marketing works and and I know how to look at the data if you don't actually know how to set up ads and the process. So, so that's the kind of base thing that any good media buyer has. I think the big key thing there as well is this is a never ending process. Anybody that's currently running Facebook ads knows that Facebook ads manager just even in itself is constantly changing. They're constantly adding new features. They're taking away features, you know, in the back end of Facebook, they're figuring out, you know, what things are people using and then how can we make it easier for people to get involved with advertising. So having that base level and then understanding that you are on a constant learning process if you are running Facebook ads. Yeah, you're never going to stop learning. I mean, I think of the people that think, oh, I've mastered this. And we'll get to that and some of the other points here today. Those are the people that really struggle, Mm. I think, and struggle to sort of roll with the punches because there's a lot of punches that are being thrown. You know, Mike Tyson says it best. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And Facebook punches you in the mouth a lot. And we see this all the time. It's the people that are able to sort of roll the punches, but also continuously stay updated with what's going on inside the platform. If you're running ads and then you don't look in there for two or three weeks, chances are it's a lot of stuff that's changed, Yeah, you know? So not only that, just from the interface perspective, but you constantly have to be learning from others and a little bit more on the mindset stuff in a second. But obviously we're in an advantageous position because we have 20 or so people that we're just on a call with and they're all really smart and know a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, some who are seasoned, some who aren't, but we can all learn from each other. And I would encourage you to obviously continue to listen to this show here, but also go to groups and forums where you are learning from other people, but also sort of having your, you know, your hackles up a little bit because there's a lot of people out there that are teaching stuff that really doesn't actually work. They just want to sort of sound smart and it might've worked in sort of a unicorn way in one way, shape or form. And now we're saying, oh, this is the way it always works. So and then we'll get into those things in just a second as well. But the point is, is that you have to have a technical base level of understanding of the platform before you do any of the other stuff that we're talking about here today. 
totally 100% that you know that's a must and that's not to say that you can't learn that you know fairly quickly but you know definitely just knowing how to get in there and start setting up ads is, is your base level inside tier 11 we have a really like <laughs> we're doing this right now our other director of media buying is she is continuously setting up our training and our learning for our media buyers and that stuff is constantly needs updating. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, as she tells you, and as we all know, the things that were in our training two years ago are now outdated with some exceptions. I mean, some principles still do apply, but the technical setup and how things actually work, which buttons to press, so forth and so on inside the ads manager obviously does change. So, you know, getting a good base level of, of technical knowledge is the first and foremost thing. Totally. Yeah. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Yeah. So as far as number two goes, what would you say there is the five keys to success in media buying? Looking at the data. And it's more not that you have to be a data analyst, that you have to have these mad math skills, but you have to have that willingness to want to look at the data that you are being presented with in Ads Manager and then have that willingness to want to delve a bit deeper. Um, something that I, I see people getting uh, tripped up with a lot is also focusing on what just one metric. And this can come in various forms. Sometimes it's, it's focusing only on the ROAS you're getting or focusing only on getting a good click-through rate. And just having that willingness to know metrics do not exist in a vacuum on their own. And looking at what else is going on around it. That is a key skill of a good media buyer. Um, we were talking earlier of kind of a specific example in the agency right now, which I think we should do a, a separate episode on. It's, you know, looking at the combination of click-through rate and conversion rate on your landing page and how, I mean, if you're just looking at conversion rate on its own, you can miss some really big signals from what's happening on the ad side with the click-through rate. So, 
I don't want to go into complete details on that, but there's some really interesting learnings we're, we're picking up across multiple accounts right now that we can definitely talk about. Leave that as a little hanging hook. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we're all about open loops here. But really, it's it's looking at the right data that will lead to your desired end result, right? That's really what Correct. we're talking about here. Yep, definitely. So, and not fixating just on the end result. I think that's where, you know, I think it comes a lot of the time from, you know, clients. Clients are like, oh, you know, I, I need to get 3x ROAS. And then the focus can very easily be swayed to only looking at that ROAS and how to get that ROAS. And that's where you're going to miss things. It's, you know, it's that getting into the trees and not taking that step back and looking at the overall forest and going really what's going on here and what needs to change to get me to where I need to be. That was a question that I asked somebody yesterday. They were saying, oh, you know, the clients changed the goal and we need to get to this. And they're like, okay, great what needs to change in the ad account for you to get to that goal? And she'd never thought of it that way before. It was just the kind of constant hamster wheel of, I have to get better performance, I have to get better performance. It's like, well, okay, take that step back. Which metrics, if you made a difference in which metric, what would then get you towards that goal? So that's what we kind of mean at looking at that data and not just getting focused in on, oh, click-through rate has to be over 3% for it to be good. Mm. What are some of the metrics that you see the media buying team getting tripped up on specifically? Is it those metrics or is it sort of? Yeah, the click-through rate is one that I I see people get caught up in a lot. They're only looking at click-through rate and then they're not taking into consideration, is it an image ad? Is it a video ad? What generally performs well in this account versus a different account? Because it's different for different accounts. And then even to the point of like, what kind of content was it? You know, was it a classic sales pitch video? Was it more an educational video? Those kind of things and how they can affect even the click-through rate and then ultimately your ultimate goal of generally your CPA or your ROAS target. So click-through rate's a big one I see people getting fixated on. Conversion rate, not so much, but I think it's maybe the opposite with that is often people don't look at the conversion rate or don't look at the different conversion rates through the funnel. And so I think it's both ends of the spectrum here, fixating too much on one piece of data and not looking at other bits. Got it. So for example, if you're running only video ads in an ad set and your click-through rate is maybe 1% or even less, mm-hmm. which is which is fine because that typically does have you typically do get lower click-through rates all things being equal. Yep. And maybe higher cost per click with video ads, but then maybe your conversion rate on your page is 50%. Yeah. So you know, a media buyer might not see that sort of how all that relates. Immediately for me, I, I would be like, all right, well, we know that once they get to the page, it converts well. So let's put something in front of them. Maybe they don't have to watch for three to five minutes or two minutes or whatever the video is. Maybe that's where we want to introduce an image ad and see if we can actually get that click at maybe half the price and then all things being equal once they click on a 50 cent cost per click will they still convert at 50% but looking at that like there's no hard and fast rule for that so i've just thrown out a bunch mm-hmm. of rules that in my mind like all right image ads have higher click through rate than video ads well do they always 
like we've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this, yep. you know, since the it seems like the nineties, but probably, you know, the mid two thousands. The point is, is that you constantly have these preconceived notions of what's going to work and what doesn't work when you're looking at data. Yep. But let the data tell you as opposed to you looking at it in that sort of that frame or that experience. And sometimes it's like the curse of knowledge a lot of totally. times. Totally. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, that never works that way. And I think we can probably think of there's some individual people that we've worked with that say, oh, well, I tried that before and that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Getting into some of the other points here. But the point is, is that you have to look at the data like as it exists, because it doesn't lie. Like that's yep. the thing I think you're drawn to, you know, as a former scientist mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. myself, like from the medical field and all these other sorts of things that go along with it. It's like, I love the data because it it's like, it doesn't care whether the person's black, white, orange, green, whatever, whoever you're showing it to. It's like the data is there. Yeah. And all you totally. do have to do is have the flexibility to be able to read it. And I think that's really what you're talking about here. Yes. You mentioned there, I remember an incident from Vic, who's now one of our senior media buyers within the first six months of her starting. And, you know, she was struggling to understand what was going on in the account. And, you know, I would I would spend time, we would talk through the data. And then it was just that the kind of that light bulb for her of the, exactly what you just said there, Ralph, like the information is there. The information is there. Assuming your tracking's all correct. Let's just assume mm. that we've got that. Right. The information right. is always there. And it's just knowing how to look at it and knowing how to interpret it and it was like a, a huge light bulb moment for her because I think she even said like I th- it, she was trying to make it more complicated she was trying to look at things that weren't there but when you actually look at the data you're like oh okay it is there and I just needed to know how to sift through it yeah, so it, sure. it, it's a huge thing in, in being a successful media buyer yeah, 100%, which really relates us absolutely 100% to point number three here, which is humility. Correct. Right, and How would Correct. you describe that? And why is humility so important as a media buyer? Yes. So I think we've experienced in the agency both ends of the spectrum. I think humility comes in when no matter how senior you are or no matter how junior you are. And we've seen it for both ends, you know, and what does it look like at the most senior level? It's, you know, someone that that thinks they know it all or thinks they've tried it all and always has the answer to something. On the more junior end, where we see it manifesting is when someone thinks they have more experience than they actually do. And then, you know, making recommendations and, you know, often it's making recommendations to clients of their own, you know, accord without asking for feedback or peer reviews. I think that's the huge Mm. thing that we see see makes a massive difference when someone's humble enough to ask for feedback and to be willing to enter into a discussion around, you know, a theory that they might have or something that they fundamentally think they know is right. That's where the magic happens. And when people don't have that humility, it's, always leads to problems for us. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a newer one because humility kind of goes along with hubris in a a lot of ways and not to get too into, you know, 50 cent words here. But the point is, is that, you know, if you think you know too much, that is the curse of knowledge, which you just Mm -hmm. referred to in number two. But matching that knowledge and that experience with humility is like, that's really, really important. And we talk about that here a lot, like how much like this platform you will not succeed on. (laughs) Like there is a tremendous amount of failure that goes along with this platform. And that is perfectly fine as long as you can very quickly 
shift gears, not get attached to an idea because you say that's the thing that always worked in the past and I'm going to hold on to it. Or, you know, on the flip side, maybe being too fearful of even trying that, which we'll get into in just a second here. But we found that sort of hubris on both ends of the spectrum. People who are really new, you know, and don't have the experience, but think they have enough to get to the next level. Then people that are far more experienced, but don't have that humility. Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge. I think it's a challenge because that gets in the way of you being able to interpret the data, going back to number two, clearly Mm -hmm. as well. Totally. And it's such a key thing that I even have it sitting on a little light board in my room, um, humble and hungry. It's yeah. it's just that constant reminder that I don't know it all. You know, none of us know it all. And even go back to, you know, the first point of, of technical, it's a, it's a never ending learning process. And yeah. the minute you start thinking that you have all the answers or have tried all the, the fancy tricks, you're going to have problems. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And even in last week's episode where we talked about a campaign done by uh, the CMO for Boom by Cindy Joseph, his name is uh, Boris. And, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of his training videos. And one of the things that makes him a really, really good media buyer is he's so humble. Mm. He's like, you know what? I know I don't have all the answers, but I will try everything to figure it out until I actually get to the answer. And that, I think, is a key mindset when it comes to success in media buying, because it's like, man, <laughs> you know, and we talked about mm. this when we were together in Austin. I talked to you guys about uh, this guy, Trevor Lawrence, who is the quarterback for Clemson, who lost the national championship like that past week when we had gotten together. He had never lost in 29 straight games. Like, I don't think he lost a game when he was a quarterback wow. in high school. And like, then he loses the national championship on a, on a national stage. It's like, how is he going to respond to that? Like I would far rather take somebody who's failed a hundred times and had a lot of like misfortune and sort of overcome it in their lives. And that I think is a big part of what makes a good media buyer. I also come from the sales world where there's a lot of uh, overcoming fears, rejection, all those other sorts of things. But the point is, is like you have to learn from your mistakes because on this platform, you are going to fail, you know, seven or eight times out of 10. Mm -hmm. You, You just are. And I think you've got to have the humility to be able to say, okay, that's fine. I'm going to set that aside and I'm just going to pick myself up, dust myself off and try something new. Yeah. We obviously don't want to fail and put customer accounts in jeopardy. That's not our job. Our job is to get customers results that they're looking for by hiring us as an agency. So that's our first goal always. But still with that, we even tell people like we're on discovery calls. I have a discovery call with a new customer in 20 minutes. I'm going to tell them it's like, hey, we're not going to succeed every single time. But you know what we are going to do? We are going to take do everything we possibly can to read the data, be humble enough to be able to figure out what works, what doesn't, and then go on the path of where the signals tell us there could be success. And that's usually how you succeed. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're going back to saying about getting results for for the the customer. It's like that comes into it with the humility for the media buyer. Like if they're asking for feedback, if they're they're seeking out those peer reviews, you know, within the team in Tier 11 in particular, you know, we've we've got such a kick-ass team like of people who are always willing to help. And and if they're humble enough to do that, then that's where we see issues before we arise. We're able to nip those things in the bud. And I'd say most of the times where we've had serious issues with performance, it's where someone has taken it upon themselves that they know all the answers, not asked anybody, set something live with, you know, wrong URLs or (laughs) outrageous budgets or whatever. 
And that's where we've run into problems in the past. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we make mistakes, but we learn from them very quickly. I mean, any agency that tells you that they don't make mistakes and knows exactly what to do when is totally like yanking your chain. So yeah. we tend to be very upfront with people and just say, this is the way that it is. And we'll certainly figure out a solution, but we'll also reduce your downside risk as much as is humanly possible. You know, and because that is obviously a preservation of capital is obviously really important. So let's get on to number four. What would number four be? Well, we've got number four. I mentioned humble and hungry. So I'd say it's hungry and flexible. Mm. If that's a, you know, a good enough description of it. And we've touched on it about around the whole mindset of willing to ask for feedback and willing to get things wrong, but also acknowledging that things will go wrong with Facebook ads, but that doesn't stop you from still trying new things. It still doesn't stop you from getting out there and either using Facebook's tools to do proper tests or if budget doesn't allow or whatever the setup doesn't allow it, still trying things and then still willing to take on new things and see what happens. That's a real key thing for a media buyer. Um, Often I'll see where we've had issues again in the past, you know, and we've really kind of honed our processes and procedures based on things that have happened in the past so that we're, we're in a really good state now where people have, they'll hear about a new tactic and then they're like, oh, this would be great to try in this account. And then a month later, still nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just that a lot of the time it's it's around the mindset of, oh, well, I'm not sure if this is going to work or mm, um, I, I don't know, I can't test it properly, therefore I'm not going to put it in place. And that's where that's where we see issues happening. I think on the flip side of that as well, there's the opposite of, oh, I saw this new ninja tactic and this is going to be the answer to all of my issues and I am therefore going to implement it everywhere in every account and and that's the only thing I'm going to do from now on because this guru over here told me that this was the answer. I can see both sides of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm laughing because it's usually not the case. I mean, like the, you know, the one tip... The one thing, the the trick, the hack is usually not the thing. Yes. I mean, it might work for, you know, one or two cases, but in most, most cases, it really will not work. Now, if it's an overall strategy that like from a mindset perspective, yeah, I think there's more validity to that. But if it's like, oh, if you just do this to your manual bidding, then all your campaigns will get to CPA or you know, reach your KPI. It just doesn't work that way. No. Because every ad account is different. And we oversee what, like, there's like a hundred plus in our business manager mm-hmm. right now. We have manage a lot of spend, a lot of complexity and look at a lot of ad accounts too and just diagnose what's wrong to figure out, all right, is this a good match for us to work with them? So there's a lot of breadth of experience here. And I've never seen one thing always work in every single ad account. It's just, it's just not the way. And that comes back to that shiny object syndrome. Oh, I went to this weekend seminar and this guy said to do this one thing and that's it. Mm -hmm. It usually never succeeds past maybe that one time that he or she was talking about it on stage. Yeah, totally. And it's being willing to have that mindset of there's principles around Facebook ads, uh, but there's very few rights or wrongs. And having that flexibility and that mindset to be able to to go with that and to roll with that and to know that 
you are going to get things wrong. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're going to muck up the account, but you know, you, you, you'll get some things will just inherently be wrong or just not the right way to do it. That doesn't mean it's not the right way to do it in Mr. X's account over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which leads us nicely to the fifth thing, which we refer to as emotional flexibility. How would you yes. characterize that? So a few things there. Willing to try things repeatedly, not accept that maybe that one time you tried it and it didn't work, that means it's rubbish. That's one thing. The urgency to get things in place is another thing there. And then I think another thing on that emotional flexibility is being willing and able to prioritize things and not get hung up on, oh, this client or this person is shouting the loudest for their thing. And therefore I'll do that over this other thing, which actually might be more urgent or important. That's a key thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about, particularly when you're running ads for clients. It's a little bit different when you're running ads just for your own business. A little bit different because, you know, you, you've got your priorities there. You're, you know, fully aware of what needs to be done in, in your business most of the time. But when you've got multiple people asking for different things, having been able to change and be able to go, all right, I was going to do this today, but actually this, this thing here is more urgent and more important. I'm going to do that instead. I think that's part of it. Yeah. How does somebody, not to put you on the spot, but I guess Mm. I am, uh, how does does somebody (laughs) learn how to prioritize better or more effectively? Yeah, great question. Well, we have a couple of ninja people in the agency that are amazing at, uh, you know, prioritizing and setting out their days. So I think part of it's being coaching. So one-on-one coaching with the manager on how to understand which tasks have more importance than the others. And then reading. There's certain books that are excellent, you know, I know that we recommend internally within the agency is to get this process in place. I know quite a few of us use a particular planner and the way that that planner is set out, that we find that to be super useful. The concept of the big three, that's a real practical thing that people could start doing every day. Identify what are your big three tasks for the day? Only three tasks. And if you got those three tasks done, your day would be considered a win. That's a real simple, practical thing people could start with. Yeah. And we'll leave some links in the show notes here for those resources as well. But one of the things I think that we do, and I think this is essential for running a virtual company because even though we are actual people, it's, we <laughs> refer to it as a virtual company because we don't have a physical office and we run everything through software and Slack and what we're recording on right now, which is Zoom. So really sort of four big softwares that we tend to use to manage an entire team through four continents. Like one of the biggest things that we still come back to is face-to-face as much as possible mm. uh, interactions with people, which is one-on-ones. And a lot of very close supervision, especially in the early stages of an ads manager's or a media buyer's career. And I know that you do that. I know when you were a media buyer and I was director of media buying or whatever it was that I was, like we would just get on calls like two or three times per week, yeah. you know, for an hour. Or, you know, when people are first starting, I used to do 15 minutes every single day. So how do you do that as a manager of a large team of media buyers to help them prioritize as well as obviously to help them 
prioritize tasks and to get the most out of the entire team? What are your recommendations there? So, you know, we've been using Asana fairly recently over, you know, the past few months, we started using that. And in there, we've got like just a list of all our accounts. And then I've started now making each account, giving each account a kind of priority each week. So that's at a high level. So everybody knows, okay, these are the priority accounts. So like creative team and things like that. So that's, that's one level of being able to prioritize. The next level more on like a kind of individual basis is certainly ensuring people do that weekly review. So I was just speaking to one of our senior media buyers previously, and she's just started doing a beginning of week review. You know, she always was doing her end of week review and doing her end of month review, but she's actually finding it really uh, useful now to do a beginning of week review. And then that sets up her, her daily big threes and it sets up her big three for the week. And I think those big threes are just so easy for people to implement on a weekly basis and on a daily basis. And then obviously I'm overseeing things. I'm seeing what people are prioritizing. I'm seeing the conversations in Slack as you are, Ralph, you know, we're we're kind of monitoring everything that's going on. And then it's that quick feedback to someone when you see that they're doing, they're, they're maybe not prioritizing something or they seem to be spending an inordinate amount of time of one thing. Then it's that quick feedback preferably face to face and then yeah. you know quick guidance on how could this have been done better or more efficiently and it's that in the moment feedback that is super super helpful to people particularly people when they're they're new to media buying and they're really just learning what it takes to handle all of the moving parts that come along with setting up facebook and instagram ads because there's so many moving parts yeah for sure obviously there's a lot of agency owners and freelancers that listen to this show here. So, I mean, I think having those face-to-face interactions, you can't discount that. Mm-mm. You're running a small agency, or you're running any sort of level of agency where you're producing results for customers, or you have a team that is helping you oversee your business, an internal team. The face-to-face interactions, the daily interactions are essential for this one, as well as everything else that we kind of talked about here. So, mm. I mean, I, coming back to that, it really it is at the end of the day, and we started with this, this is a human game, mm-hmm. media buying. It's not, you know, we haven't gotten to the point right now where it's completely automated. And maybe it will at some point, you know, I mean, programmatic is certainly out there, but Facebook is not one of those platforms that is like that. There still is a human element to it. So although on this show, we haven't taught you some whiz bang, you know, trick, tip, tactic that's going to revolutionize your ad accounts, I would submit that these five tips here, these five keys to successful media buying are probably even more important than any of that. And you know, if you're listening and you're just running ads on your own, it's okay if you don't get all these things right. But just being aware of the fact that, yeah, I can improve on them. And if you're constantly improving and getting better every day, you know, you will ultimately achieve a level, a professional level of uh, expertise that you'll be really, really proud of. And you'll get great results for either your ad accounts or your customers. So yeah, so this has been great here today. Totally. Yep. If you get your mindset, you know, mindset is is, is at least 30% of running Facebook and Instagram ads. And, yeah. you know, th- that's a huge part of what we've talked about today. Yeah, for sure. So just to summarize the five things that we talked about here, keys to success as a media buyer, number one, technical skills. Number two is having a data-driven mindset, looking at the data. Number three is humility. Number four is focus and hunger. 
which is, you know, avoiding shiny object syndrome as well is included in there. Correct. Number five. And lastly is prioritization. And I think there's a lot of ones we could potentially talk about, but they all sort of interweave within each other too. But the big thing is, is that, you know, you understand that this is a platform that's going to be constantly changing and you're not going to always do things perfectly, but hopefully through what you learn here on the show, as well as just sort of understanding that, yeah, the more humble and hungry that I am, we actually do have it in our character diamond of what we look for mm -hmm. inside tier 11, the better your results are going to be. So this has been great. And thanks for coming on for another episode of what's working now here at tier 11 inside perpetual traffic podcast. For all the resources that we mentioned here on the show, make sure that you do go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 243. Angela Ponsford, thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week and we'll talk to Angela probably about a month. Until then, see ya. Bye. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.